submarines have been part of cinema history ever since Georges Méliès did his Jules Verne inspired underwater flick Under the Seas in 1907. That film focused mainly on what bizarre creatures the submariners met below the waves, like ballet dancing naiads, for example. In 1915, Charles Chaplin's lesser-known brother Sid Chaplin did a submarine comedy, together with Charles Avery, called A Submarine Pirate. But soon filmmakers understood that submarines are the perfect setting for intense claustrophobic war thrillers. All through the 1900s we met sweaty, tormented men struggling for their lives below the waves as depth charges detonate around them and bearded commanders shout things like Tifa or Alarm. There were films like The Sea Ghost from 1931, Hell Below from 1930 and We Dive at Dawn from 1943 titles that really make you understand what kind of films they are. Even the classic Wild West director John Ford directed a submarine film. In 1930 he did a film called Men Without Women, cause yes, in those days you rarely saw a woman on a submarine. Except maybe for the submarine comedy Operation Petticoat from 1959, where Tony Curtis and Cary Grant paint their submarine pink and sail to Australia during World War II with a bunch of female nurses on board, directed by Blake Edwards, before he dived into the world of Pink Panther. But mostly submarine films are thrillers, like the classic The Enemy Below from 1957, where a stone-faced Robert Mitchum and an equally stone-faced Kurt Jurgens play hide-and-seek during World War II. And in 1981, Wolfgang Peterson gave us the ultimate sweaty wild-eyed men in a tin can shouting alarm movie, thus bought. And we all remember Sean Connery's Russian, well, Scottish submarine captain in The Hunt for Red October from 1990. One ping only. And in August 2021, another great submarine thriller met the world. A BBC drama series called Vigil. Earlier today, crewman died on board Vigil. How are you with confined spaces? The VFX for that series was made by Goodbye Kansas Studios. So today, I invite you to dive into the world of submarine VFX. Let's go to the bottom of this, shall we? I'm Nils Lagerian and this is Yellow Brick Road, the tiny little podcast about movies, games and VFX. And yes, today we're going to dive into the VFX of BBC's new submarine thriller, Vigil. So please welcome two submariners from Goodbye Cancer Studios in London, VFX supervisor Jim Parsons and VFX producer Desiree Ryden. Welcome. Hello. Hello. Thank you. Happy to be here. Yeah, nice to have you here. Uh, Jim, you've been here on Yellowbrick Road before, but this, this is your first visit here. So let's start with a little introduction. Uh, how did you find your way into the wonderful world of visual effects? I always been passionate about filmmaking. So ever since I was a kid, I knew I wanted to work in film in some way. Um, it wasn't until later in my life that I discovered VFX. 
Um, so I went to school at a um, place called School of Future Entertainment in Karlsson. It doesn't exist anymore, but it was a two-year education where um, I decided I wanted to go into FX. Uh, I found it to be the most interesting of all the departments. Um, it was really cool to create dynamic things like smoke and fire and water and so on. Um, and then after that, I moved to London because that's where all the bigger studios was. I uh, wanted to get my foot in. And then after a while, I got into MPC for Wrath of the Titans. Not the mm-hmm. biggest one, but it was, uh, it was a lot of fun to work on. <laughs> and, um, and yes, I was there for a few years. I uh, worked on uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, um, Game of Thrones, uh, Jungle Book. Got to be a part of that, which was really cool. And then I also did some time at ILM, where I was on Ready Player One and Rogue One and a few of the Marvels. So that was it was really, really good. Um, but then after about six years, um, I felt I want, it was time to move on from FX. And I decided to make the jump into production. Hmm. I've had project managing type of work jobs before. Um, so the skill set was there. And then having the artist background really helped. Um, and I started as a coordinator at Goodbye Kansas. Uh, that was my first job in 2018. Mm. And I worked my way up and uh, I love it. And that, that's it. <laughs> that is wonderful. <laughs> Good to have you. Uh, okay, so let's dive into this. Um, sorry, uh, this will surely not be the last time that I say dive in this episode. It is, after all, a story involving a gigantic nuclear submarine. Uh, but first, some basic facts. Uh, the series is written and created by Tom Edge, with episodes by Ed McDonald and Shandi Lachani, and based on an original idea by George Aza Selinger, directed by James Strong and Isabel Sieb. And it was produced by World Productions and Goodbye Kansas provided visual effects. This is a coordinated attack, sir. Everyone knows it's a cover up. You're going to let them die? This is a staggering act of hostility. So, Des, tell us about the series. Well, what's it about? This story takes place on board the fictional uh, HMS Vigil, which is a nuclear submarine which is patrolling the British waters. And we have two big events, which basically set off the story. Um, the very dramatic disappearance of a fishing trawler, which is one of our major sequences mm-hmm. we worked on. And the other event is uh, the discovery of one of uh, Vigil's crew members dead. So mm. as this submarine has to stay on patrol, uh, they fly out uh, the Detective Chief Inspector Silva to investigate the death on board the submarine. Um, And at the same time, her colleague works the case uh, on land in Glasgow. And uh, as the investigator on each side, a bigger story is unraveled and things start to get dangerous. Mm. And Mm. uh, I don't want to say much more than that, but... um, No, no. You already uh, have me hooked. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I think this was a murder. That's absurd. If you're asking me who's capable... Anybody. So how did Goodbye Kansas Studios' involvement come about then? So the producer for this show worked with us on a previous project where Jim was supervising. So I think I'll pass it on to him to tell more about that. Yeah. So uh, we did uh, the first series of Alex Ryder. And uh, one of the producers on that was Angie Daniels. And she um, was... uh, 
brought on quite late onto vigil, like literally a couple of weeks before they were meant to be, so a few weeks before they were meant to start shooting. Um, and despite the fact there was an awful lot of visual effects, they hadn't actually settled on who was going to be doing the visual effects at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and she suggested us because she'd had a very good experience working with us. And, uh, we met with James Strong, uh, who is the director, and he went round to a number of different um, facilities and had a chat with them. But we impressed them uh, the most with our um, knowledge and enthusiasm. And so we got the job of working on Vigil. So it was like an audition with the director and we, we got cast. <laughs> Um, and the submarine vigil is obviously a very important part of the story, but, but nuclear submarines are kind of super secret, aren't they? So, so how did you go about to build it in 3D, as I assume you had to do? Well, uh, I mean, this wasn't just a problem for uh, post-production. They built an enormous interior set of the submarine and had to make that up as well because uh, that was also super secret. They did have a uh, consultant who'd been in the Navy. I don't know if we're allowed to say that. Anyway, uh, he was, and he gave some advice, but even his was a little bit shifty and vague. Uh, so we did a lot of research, uh, as many photos as we could find of, of various different Trident submarines. Um, and uh, there, there is some variety in them. The British ones are different from American ones, and um, obviously the Russians are completely different. Uh, and... Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, from just going from that and finding kind of blueprints and, but even the blueprints most to be seen to be based on little, little kind of plastic models rather than actually full size, uh, submarines. We, we dug around and we started kind of building up the model. We had a, already had a good idea that it was 150 meters long. So we had at least the scale of how big it was going to be. Um, and, uh, you know, we just developed over months the look and, uh, and shape of it. And, and we had to kind of like send it to the client and, make it a little bit more sinister because we, you know, we got it pretty accurate, but not as kind of, kind of dominating as they wanted it. So we had to kind of make it a little bit more hench, I think is the way to describe it. I think the biggest problem we had was the underside because we had lots of photos mm. of the top of the uh, submarine, but almost none of what it looked like underneath. When I mean, there's a couple of mm. missile hatches, you can see when it's like on, on land being repaired or paint or cleaned or something like that or built. Um, but you can't really see much else of it. Uh, so hmm. there was a few guesses here and there, but uh, you know we did talk again to the, uh, the the naval consultant, and he seemed pretty happy with what we'd done. So, yeah. well, it, it does look very real and very impressive and sinister. But but submarines are sinister, aren't they? Very much so. I think we were, when submarines were introduced into the navy, the, the admiral was thought that no, this is no way to wage a war. It's not fair sneaking on people like that but but so so yes the the uh, the submarine is the main character in the cg you could say but then obviously also plenty of water right there was do you want me to carry on answering this one did <laughs> <laughs> i can i'm happy to i don't want to over talk no it's uh it's up to you i can i can take if you want i can start off and then you can fill in if you want you go for it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um since i was an effects artist before you know it's um I, I know it can be very complicated and time consuming yeah. to do water. Um, and it's it's some it's an effect that it's difficult to find shortcuts for. Um, and actually, you know, we had some really good comp artists who were able to do so much more than I thought was possible in comp to help. But some shots just had to have perfect effects. Mm. Um, and uh, we had some really, really good effects artists um, where 
it really helped that we were working from home as well because mm-hmm. uh, we were able to hire some, um, for example, we had an effects artist, Mirko Paulini, who was based in Italy. Um, and then, for example, also we had the amazing Philip Orby from the Sweden office. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it would have been as straightforward if we're all based in the office and we had to look local. Um, it's not easy to find good effects artists and we needed several of them. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, our CG soup, Justin Long, was key in managing the whole CG, CG team and making sure all the aspects work together. Hmm. I mean, earlier, when we've discussed effects at Yellowbrick Road, uh, for example, Philip that you mentioned, he said that it's always good when, when there's some real footage to, to start with, in a way, something that, that you know it should look like this. Did they film some scenes on actual water i mean we there was an extensive shoot uh up in scotland out in the water especially with the trawler and stuff like that um and there was uh there was also because there's a bit with a helicopter where um our main star is lowered from the helicopter into the submarine and the crew took out i got hold of a helicopter and flew it out to the north sea and while they were out there they did actually see a uh military submarine rise out of the water so we got a bit of that, mm. but um, nothing particularly close up. Um, we did do uh, a lot of research and finding other footage uh, of submarines rising out of the water. Mm. Again, a lot of it is luck because, you know, if a cameraman uh, and a crew is, happens to be somewhere in the water where a submarine comes out of, it is a surprise to them as much as anybody else because, you know, <laughs> it's all secret where they, where they come and go. Um, yeah. So there was some footage uh, that we were able to use but uh, it, it was limited to a certain extent. And, um, you know, but Philip has got a wild imagination, so it, it, it wasn't the end of the world. If you talk about a specific sequence uh, or a shot, for example, the one where, where she is hoisted down fr- from the helicopter, uh, how was that shot made? There wasn't any water. Okay, no, I tell a lie. There was water. Mm. There was a couple of guys standing at the edge of the scene throwing buckets of water at Saran uh, Jones. Uh, but um, she was. There were. The, what was built was uh, the the top of a submarine known as a conning tower, uh, and you had a couple of actors in there. Uh, but then for the helicopter, that was shot separately. And uh, the lead actress um, was just dangled down off a uh, the top of a um, a crane, and she was just lowered down. Uh, there was a green screen behind her, although not a big enough green screen. And um, we just basically mm. removed her, well, removed the crane, added the helicopter in the in the top, and then we kept the conning tower down below and removed the car park that it was sitting in and replaced it with water and a submarine. I say that we just simply did that. It was incredibly complicated. <laughs> It was one of the first shots we started working on and probably one of the last shots we delivered. Uh, and, and you also mentioned uh, a sequence where the trawler is pulled down. That sounds complicated to do, to recreate. It was. And we went up to Scotland quite a few times uh, before they even started shooting it, didn't we, Des? And mm-hmm. we went out on the trawler. Yeah. Oh. yeah, we did. Did you get seasick? No, no, it was well driven. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got wet. <laughs> it was I got wet. wet, yeah. Especially when... Um, because the trawler is being pulled backwards. So they were testing how it would look and how quickly it would move backwards if they just put in the, if they were backing it up themselves. It reversed, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it it did get a bit wet, but it actually wasn't too bad. So 
there are a few shots, at least in the beginning of the sequence, where it's all all them basically just on the trolley going backwards. And it mm. was a good starting point. And it did work as a reference, at least for the first few shots of the sequence before it goes really crazy. Yes, because once the uh, the trawler starts tilting uh, heavily down towards the water, we removed the original um, live action trawler, replaced it with a, a almost perfect, in fact, I, in, a lot of people could not tell the difference, uh, CG trawler, and had that tilt down and get dragged down into the water uh, instead. Um, I mean, the whole shoot was uh, for the, the trawler scene was uh, was a mixture of the trawler being out in the water, uh, being pulled, uh, dri- driving backwards, uh, driving, what do you call it, uh, going backwards, and um, but also at the dock, uh, they had it tied up at a dock, put a big sheet of green screen behind uh, down one side, and then just did some filming from the side of it, and we would replace the background with a tilting uh, um, horizon. Uh, the big problem with that was was that after the first day of shooting, where they hadn't used the green screen stuff, uh, we were hit by Storm Francis, and uh, the result was that the green screen was shredded by the storm, and so uh, we didn't have much of a green screen left when we came to shoot that bit. But we still managed to pull it off somehow. Um, and, uh, you know, that whole sequence with uh, James Strong, um, the director, really uh, kind of pushed it as far as he could. He was coming mm. up with some crazy shots just on the, on the fly, which he discussed with me. And I said, that would be very complicated. And he said, oh, great. And then he'd go and shoot them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> there was, That's the spirit. Yeah. Uh, and there, so, so, for example, uh, there was the big intro to the submarine shot where the um the camera is looking at the back of the um the trawler and as it's being pulled backwards and then the camera dips down under the water and carries on down deep 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 down into the water until it comes across the visual submarine mm-hmm. so he shot that by sticking a camera on a uh on a crane type thing and then just splashing it down into the water and then we had to do a takeover but I remember watching that on the monitors on the set going how the hell are we going to do that (laughs) (laughs) but somehow we did (laughs) somehow we did yes Uh, and you know to be honest I mean I believe that James a lot of the reason why he took the project in the first place was he wanted to be challenged on uh, stuff like visual effects mm. stuff like you know also stuff like uh, the the, uh, the the drama and and thrills inside the submarine uh, but you know, I think the technical aspect of him did um, uh, get him quite excited because uh, it's not something that he's that um, knowledgeable about uh, and you know I think we all worked very well together uh, to come up with some great results yeah. um, I was just about to ask you if you had any favorite shots. Possibly it's one of the shots that you just described. Or... I don't know if that was a favourite. It was certainly, <laughs> certainly kept me up at night. <laughs> I was thinking about it quite a lot. Um, I, yeah, I do have one favourite from that sequence, which uh, I think I always knew was going to look, look beautiful in a tragic way. And it's the final shot of the trawler sequence where you're from deep down in the water looking up and you can see the boat coming, uh, the trawler coming down towards the camera, mm. and the drowned sailors drifting past the camera, and it's you've got the it's all silhouetted by the sunlight uh, above mm. in the sky, and uh, and it's it's a pretty moving shot. Uh, it's certainly a beautiful shot, even if it's a dark and sad shot. And full CG. Full CG, other than the uh, uh, other than the the uh, sailors who um, we got into an underwater pool at Pinewood. And then just filmed them 
dropping to the bottom. They would put weights in their pockets or something, and then they just kind of sunk to the bottom past the camera. So they were they were put in there. Everything else was fully CG. Hmm. So the famous tank at Pinewood, the 007 tank, or yeah, yeah, uh, filmed up there, um, right in the middle of COVID. Um, it was hot, uh, very wet, and probably a. Uh, uh, a brilliant place to be when you're during the middle of a pandemic. Um, but um, uh, yeah, shot over a few days. There was also another scene shot there where they had a car crashing into a Scottish lake. Obviously, the lake wasn't there. It was just a, a big swimming pool. But, um, mm. you know, we threw the actors into the water in a car. So that was fun. Um, and you, Des, do you have a favourite shot? Um, well, I'm happy you took that shot. Uh, Jim, because I was thinking about it, uh, it's, because it's an amazing shot, and I remember the the concept image that was made. Um, it was it looked so good, and I thought, how are we ever going to live up to this concept image? But we actually did <laughs> above and beyond. <laughs> uh, but my favorite shot is um, it's just after they picked up um, the DCI Silva from um, from the surface, and they're going back down. So you see the submarine diving down from above surface to under surface is kind of a again like a takeover shot but it's a fully cg mm. shot and it's i don't it's so well made you see the submarine from a really good angle quite close up the water is perfect um be, and also because it's a full cg shot the comp work is so well done as well because you know it's, it's not easy to make a full cg shot look real but that shot's just and just the other day i actually saw there was some I don't know how you call it, some promotion from BBC, um, like just a mm. short video with like all the like oh, five stars from this show, five stars mm. from that. And it had that shot as the starting points. <laughs> ah. So I knew, okay, I picked the right one. <laughs> a happy moment. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a beautiful shot. The entire production was made in the middle of this COVID pandemic and lockdowns everywhere. So how did that affect your work? Except for the fact that you could hire artists from Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we started actually before COVID, but we hadn't gotten you into did. shots uh, at that time. Yeah, it was, it's quite early on. I mean, COVID had started, but it hadn't really hit here yet. Um, so we, uh, when we had the first lockdown, um, we had kind of gotten started a bit, but it was very slow cooking. And um, because their production on shooting and everything was uh, paused as well. So... During the first lockdown, we were, yeah, we started working with the first pass of the submarine, uh, look dev, some water tests and so on. But it was it was quite a slow, slow going process at that point. Um, and then when we started properly, it was interesting. Like like I mentioned, we could work with anyone anywhere because we're all on video calls and chats. Um, mm. um, and one thing that I really enjoyed was because we're all on video calls and chats, um, we had quite a lot of artists from the Sweden office and it did make our two offices feel closer somehow because we're all working the same way. Um, it felt like all those mm. artists were at the same, you know, were all in the same place. And uh, that was really nice. Yeah, that's good. That's one positive side of the pandemic. Yeah. The, the rise of good video meetings. <laughs> yes. And it was the same with the client meetings, like no matter where they were based, we could always have regular catch-ups and... Uh, we did have, of course, technical uh, things to work out, like how do you run a review session the best way when you're not sitting in one room having a fluid conversation and you have an editor driving. It's, it, it was a bit more 
it took a few times to work out, like, how do you best go about it? Um, but I think there's a lot from this time that we can take with us and use moving forward. Like, for example, hybrid working, and things like that can, that can help our mm. industry, I think. Mm. How big was your team? Uh, so we were three in production, three in supervision, uh, and about 30 artists in total, like half in 2D and half in CG. Um, and a bit more in detail for production, um, we had, uh, it was me and two coordinators. And because of this different way of working, um, they really had to make sure that the teams were working well and that everyone was looked after uh, in, in a way that we haven't really, mm. of course, we always look after each other. But when you don't sit in the same room, it's difficult to pick up on what's going on with everyone. So it was important to make sure everyone was, all the artists knew what they were doing, they were happy with the workload, good communication, and just, just making sure that every, everything was um, working well. So it was, mm. it was an interesting challenge. But we're not at war. That is an illusion. We have always been at war. So Vigil premiered end of August and was what you call a smash hit. The first episode had more viewers than any other new BBC drama in 2021. Uh, how does that feel, having produced something that, that, that really makes such an impact? Well, we've, um, well, as Des pointed out in her his, uh, uh, work history, you know, we've both worked on kind of bigger projects in the past, like Marvel movies, and I've done about five Harry Potters. But there's something kind of, you were, we were kind of smaller cogs in in the big wheels of that of those uh, of those projects. Whereas, because uh, Goodbye Kansas is is a smaller company, we were much totally involved. In fact, uh, with the production and pre production and post production of, of Vigil, and um, you know, it just felt really like we are part of something which is like having such a cultural impact, and it's great. We mm. got a lovely message from James Strong. Uh, telling us we were a smash hit and uh, how proud we should be of our work, um, and uh, which is lovely, you know, because we don't always hear from clients after no. our product is, uh, uh, a program is done. Uh, so that was great. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. I think I mean I'm, I feel really proud as well, um, considering I mean we were in charge for the major VFX for the full series and. There wasn't a client VFX, client side VFX team, and there was a pandemic going on, <laughs> so there was a lot of responsibility. But um, I mean, the whole team did a great job um, making it happen and to such a high standard. Uh, and I think, yeah, out of all the projects I worked on in my career, I think it's actually the one I'm the most proud of being part of. That's wonderful. And. Um... After working uh, 20 odd years in visual effects, finally my family have a vague idea what I do in the industry because they all watched it and then I got little messages saying, well done. Nice. It's not just a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, submarines are, of course, a classic setting for intense claustrophobic thrillers. Um, do you have any other favorites, uh, I mean, submarine favorites from cinema and TV history? Well, I mean, you know, the go-to submarine drama that we all have to uh, look up to is uh, is Das Boot, uh, yeah. preferably in its original eight-hour version, mm. wherever long it was, uh, <laughs> rather than the cut-down cinema version, which the, the, a lot of the rest of the world saw. And, uh, you know, it was a genius bit of filmmaking from um, whoever it was. And, Wolfgang um, Peterson. 
Wolfgang Peterson. Yes, of course it was. Uh, and, uh, you know, with claustrophobia and uh, tension and a lot of sweat. And really, you mm. know, all submarine dramas have come from that. Uh, uh, that, is the, that is the number one. I mean, there is The Hunt for Red October, um, Crimson Tide, all of which we looked at and uh, for references as far as, uh, you know, how to shoot a submarine in deep water um, or not, as a lot of those were just models. Um, hmm. But those were, uh, you know, the, those were all, all the, the different ones. But Das Boot is the original and the best. Not the original, yeah. but the yeah. best. And you, Des? Uh, well, submarine is not really a... I don't know, would you call it a genre? <laughs> it's not really something <laughs> I go for. Of course it is. <laughs> submarine movies. Yellow submarine, for example. Oh, yes, that's that's a good one. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I really, I don't... It's not because it's usually war movies when it's submarines yeah. and I really go for that. Um, but I was thinking about it and like when it comes to claustrophobic, I think... There are lots of good claustrophobia movies, and I think one, one that was really horrible was The Descent. <laughs> if you heard oh, of yeah. that one, it's a horror yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oof. I actually have a, a funny story about Das Boot that, that you mentioned, Jim, uh, because I saw it on cinema, uh, a big Stockholm cinema, and, and in, at one point uh, in the film, that they're like stuck on the bottom of, of the Mediterranean and running out of air and everything. And I suddenly realized that I was sitting like... <laughs> losing air myself and looked around and everyone in this packed cinema were, were like grasping for air because uh, I think the ventilation had broken down at the oh, same no. time in the cinema. So it was like, <laughs> it was almost like a, a very intense experience. Come on, Cohagen, you got what you want. Give these people air. Last but not least, I have to ask you, have you ever been on board a submarine? I think the answer for me is no. And uh, <laughs> I would have thought that's about 99% of all people as well. I mean, Des, maybe you have, I don't know. Have you? Museum submarines, perhaps. Oh. Well, I, can't, I can't really tell much. It's all secrets. Yeah. Oh, nice. I mean... <laughs> you can tell us, but then you have yeah, to kill us. exactly. <laughs> to be fair, we did get a tour of, uh, a good proper tour of the interior set of the submarine on Vigil. Uh, and it was oh. spectacular. Mm. It was one big massive set built over three floors, I think it was. So they could have the cameras mm. running through uh, and then up the staircase and then up another staircase and into the missile rooms and to, into the captain's chamber and the brig and the main bridge, which was enormous and is probably about three times mm. the size of any real um, bridge on a submarine. Uh, I think that's as close, even if you just, stopped thinking about where you were for a minute you could imagine you really were on a real submarine because it was amazing to the point that when we watched the first episode on tv my wife, wife turned to me and said did they actually go and film in a submarine well <laughs> no nice that was really good to see it was a really well-made set i'm envious lovely so guys uh thanks a lot for coming and sharing your submarine stories and uh hope to see you again on yellow brick road in the future certainly thanks for having us and you out there thanks for listening do mail us if you have questions or suggestions of things we should discuss uh, other than submarines then mail us at podcast at goodbyecancers.com until next time goodbye abianto auf wiederhören wie hörsch 